Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in the land of crowdfunding? What? What's that? You guys are all doing great? Ah, it has been a few weeks since we've had an episode. There just isn't that many successful campaigns out there. I, I don't know what's going on. But, uh, but yeah, so we, this is sort of a special episode. Um, we are not going to be talking to somebody who is running a crowdfunding campaign like normal. Um, what we're doing in today's episode is we are actually announcing something. That's right. Something that benefits Woodshed Agency. Um, something that's kind of been in the works for a little bit. So uh, the way we thought about uh, kind of throwing this news out there is by interviewing the person or the people, I should say, the company. Um, well, let me just get the cat out of the bag. Woodshed Agency has a little bit of a new partnership going. That's right. That's right. Over the last 60 days or so, uh, we have been in talks with the company about what it would look like to work together on projects or um, you know, help each other out, scratch each other's back, per se. Uh, and that company is Kogio. That's right, Kogio. Go check them out. Kogio.us is their website. Um, so this is a company that handles a lot of... Um, I guess I, I would call them may, maybe bigger accounts, but but they're really more in development and advice for like nonprofits, um, ranging you know kind of from arts to health and sports to education. Um, so so a little bit outside of the scope of what Woodshed does, right? So if if we broke down what Woodshed does, we are really focused on uh, a lot a lot on reward based crowdfunding and equity crowdfunding. So if you've got a tangible product or you've got a documentary. Um, you know, some of our techniques work really, really well for that. But that doesn't mean that our techniques couldn't be very beneficial if you were running a nonprofit or, um, or you know, if you were some in the health field, right? If you have to get a message out or a vibe out or a story out or you have to create a story around your product, well, that's where Woodshed really is. Um, I think that's our strengths, right? Uh, so... So in this interview, we're going to be talking to Patrick and Rob from Kogio, uh, and we're going to get into what they do, um, how, what kind of clients they've been working with over the last few years, how we see uh, us working together, um, and it's an exciting time, you know? So that's what's coming up. That's who we're going to be talking to here in a little bit is Patrick and Rob. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that information because if you are a company that's, you know, maybe not an exact right fit for you know, a Kickstarter campaign per se, there might be some conversations where we can still look at fundraising different ways. Um, and that's why we are doing this partnership. So it's exciting. Speaking of like partnerships, I thought this would be a good time to kind of like talk about that when it comes to like running a company. So over the course of the last, oh, what is it now, 10, 12 years here, you know, we've had sort of three or four of these sort of like partnerships where, and it all comes down to as you're growing your company, you start to look for new opportunities that these partnerships that on paper seem like, boy, that would be a good fit. And when we were back in the GBS days, the studio days, we had a couple of these partnerships too, whether that was through um, through the other facilities we were working with or um, 
or what we're looking at with publishing. So we've always had some of these kind of around us. Um, and this is the, this is sort of the same thing happening here in Woodshed. So this isn't new turf for us. And it's an exciting time because on paper, you know, while you're, while you're like, you know, figuring out all the details and will this work, will this won't work, you know, you're, you're kind of talking a little bit in fantasy land. You're dreaming a little bit. There's really no money exchanging hands quite yet, but you have this vision of like, boy, we could really see this happening in the next two to three months where if we're all working on it, it's a much bigger campaign than if it was just us working alone. And I think it comes to that power of like teams and and putting the right people around you. And that's challenging for a lot of companies. Um, I know for us, we struggle with it. Woodshed, personally, like, you know, when we add somebody new to the team, we want them to, to you know, kind of jump in and have a baseline of, I can do these certain things, but also I'm going to help you grow to the next sort of levels, right? And what, what do those look like? Um, so that's what we're looking at here. So this is an exciting time, man. It's, it's um, you know, I, I, I hope it works out well. I'm, I've, we are obviously going into it full, full steam ahead. It should work out great for us. I th- it seems like a, a good synergy. Um, all the conversations have been amazing to this point. And uh, yeah, I hope that Moving forward, uh, some of the episodes that we're going to be having on on like this podcast will be diving deeper, maybe into nonprofit fundraising or health fundraising or political fundraising might be out there. Um, you know, that could be maybe a conversation that happens down the road. Because again, th- this is something. Let me, let me back up. This is something that happens to Woodshed quite a bit here, um, where a marketing somebody that just needs like you know general market. I don't know, like a chiropractor. And they'll look at us and they'll go, mm, I don't really get it. I don't really see how, you know, you do crowdfunding and I don't need crowdfunding. That's not what I need. And I have to kind of walk people back to like, all right, let's think about what it is that Woodshed does, right? Think about this for a minute. And, you know, we are out selling and marketing on Facebook a product that doesn't exist. So it would be the equivalent of me asking for like, hey, I want you to give me some money for this thing that you may or may not get in the next year. That's what I'm asking. So if I'm having success in that sort of marketing, can you think of anything that might be harder? And again, this isn't me blowing myself or, or, or patting myself on the back. I just want you to think about it in terms of like other companies and other businesses and how marketing fits in, right? So once I get people past that mindset of like, oh, you market, you're still marketing on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter, whatever it might be, email, it's just that my call to action, my focus is different. So if you're per se the, the chiropractor, like I mentioned, you know, yeah, I can drive people to your store by using Facebook. I can Facebook Messenger, Instagram, whatever it might be, call to actions, drip email, discount codes, whatever you have. So all that's changing is that when it's crowdfunding, my call to action is go to Kickstarter. You know, go do this thing. Give us thirty bucks, twenty bucks, hundred bucks, whatever it is. I, I make that crowd. I make that awareness. I make that excitement. Well, nothing's really different if you are a local chiropractor. I got to build, I got to find a bunch of people that need chiropractor services in your area. And if I find that, I'm going to send them to yours and I'm going to make them, you know, hopefully pick yours over, you know, other ones. So, so it's really not that different. And I think what, what this relationship here with Kojio is looking like is, yeah, but how do we take th- that is sort of, um, I wouldn't say smaller, but just you know, a, a very focused, um, you know, B to B or B to C. How do we take that into spheres of like, I said, like, like we said earlier, not you know, a nonprofit sector that's doing you know really good work? How do we take that to the university level? How do we take it these sort of practices and techniques to that scale? Because again, 
a story is a story. And if you've got a good story and you can pitch it and you can find that audience, you should be able to move people into whatever you need them to do. So it's an exciting time around here. Um, you know, we're in obviously spring training version of this. This is not even the first inning. This is just us announcing, um, letting people know that these are options and conversations that can be had, not only through me or through Kogio or Patrick and Rob, that even if you reach out to Woodshed and we're not quite, not the, quite the right fit, I've got a place for you to go now. So I think that's an exciting time. Uh, it really helps out, I think, everybody involved. So, all right, a couple things. Let's get to our, um, you know, my call to actions. If you've listened to this point and you're dying to jump into the interview, which is exciting, coming up here in just a couple seconds, uh, go, to, go to iTunes right now. Make sure you leave me a, uh, a thumbs up or a positive review. Those would be very, very helpful. Um, those allow more people to, to find this podcast. Um, if you want to listen to my other podcasts, go over to iTunes right now and subscribe to Gawkerbacker. A couple days a week, I put out episodes where I am featuring a couple campaigns, um, re- very quickly kind of giving you some inside, like the dirty rub of how it is to run an agency. Um, so I'm going to have, uh, there's a lot of episodes over there as well. So check those out. And of course, go read our blog. Go over to woodshed.agency backslash blog. Um, check out, we've got a lot of tips and helpful guides over there on how to be successful, um, what it's like to run an agency, just a whole bunch of stuff over there. So really a lot of valuable information. And then obviously because of this episode, go check out kogeo.us. Um, that's, uh, let me spell that for you just so you, you have an understanding. It's C-O-G-E-O. Um, and go, yeah, .us is their website. Go check them out now. And, uh, all right, let's go ahead and kick my interview with Rob and Patrick from Kogeo. I can feel you, I can break through It's been a cold day, it's been a cold night I can feel you, but I can break through And every time I think about the words you say They're just not right so Alright guys, the uh, red light's on So now you're probably all very nervous, right? Because I don't know if you've ever heard of the red light syndrome it, comes from the old uh, studio days where the uh, red light pops on and then everybody freezes up and they you guys feel okay you guys are all, all right all good here <laughs> all right cool well let, let's start with a simple sound check question so first patrick i'll ask you uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning a black tea with pineapple liquid okay liquid rob how about you what'd you have for breakfast yogurt cheerios granola bar so far all right, all right, that's good. And where are you guys right now, uh, location-wise? I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm in Kirkwood, California. All right, all right. So you guys are early. You guys are just getting into that breakfast time. So it's good. Awesome. All right, well, I think we're sounding good. Let's jump right into it. So Rob, Patrick, uh, why don't you guys tell me and my listeners a little bit about what you guys do uh, out in Portland and, and California? We work for a company called Kogio. Kogio is an organization that specializes in fundraising, mainly in the nonprofit sector, as well as organizational management. So what does that mean? Um, really, it's helping organizations go from where they are today to where they want to be at a certain point in time. And the types of projects that we engage in very significantly within that spectrum. It could be achieving annual yearly goals all the way up to achieving a multi-year, large, multiple millions of dollars uh, project. Uh, at the very core, that's what we do. Um, okay. 
and, and what in terms of like, and so we're, we're talking to Rob and Patrick. Patrick, like, what do you do inside of the company? I am the CEO of the company. Okay. What what is like? What are some daily tasks? Like like what, what's on your plate for the day outside of this great interview? Yeah, we're a very horizontal organization. So um, our job titles are there for outside reasons mainly, but a lot of what we do on a daily basis, everyone is involved in various roles that they play. Our core is consulting. We, at the very core, provide advice. In addition to that, we offer supplementary services to assist with that advice. So, for example, Kogio personnel will perform grant writing on behalf of clients when necessary, or engage in graphic design or corporate engagement or a big component of what we do on a daily basis is in-depth data management and research. So um, we work as a team collectively with every client. We assign different individuals to that team, but on a day-to-day basis, all of us are involved thoroughly in the um, engagement with multiple clients throughout the day. Gotcha. And how about for you, Rob? What does what a typical day for you look like? Right. So as managing director of consulting, my responsibilities include, among others, oversight of uh, all of the work that's being done by the consultants around the country and the globe with our respective clients. So essentially, I've got a foot into every project in terms of ensuring that the direction of the project is being fulfilled and that the proper resources are being allocated to the project in conjunction with the what we call our hub in Portland, Oregon. Mm. I also do quite a bit of public speaking as we have um, become experts, particularly in the area of sports development. And so we get called on quite a bit to discuss best business practices in the area of fundraising because there's a myth out there that each sector of the industry should behave differently, which is not the case at all. So we impose what we call best business practices on all of our clients. And and if you look at our client list, you'll realize how eclectic it is and how different the missions of each of our clients. Um, the one common denominator would be they're each providing a very strong community benefit. Gotcha. Gotcha. So walk me through a little bit. You're, you're mentioning the sports. Walk, walk me through what, like, talk me uh, a little bit about what that means, um, you know, that you're focusing on like sports uh, type of scenarios. Right. I've been in the marketplace for 30 years and have seen the, um, the euphemism, the world of development uh, grow from a state of infancy where only the private colleges and universities really were, were raising funds in a, what we call best business practice manner. Uh, But in the 80s, everything exploded. And so what you have now are various markets that that are actually being created. And and we know that, for example, there are mature markets across hospitals and universities and independent school as well. Uh, But when you look at the other sectors, best business practices have not been imposed, unfortunately. And in some instances, namely public schools, sports organizations, there are markets to be made there in terms of there being 501c3s who have yet to adapt proper methodologies and tactics when it relates to 
fundraising and proper development opportunities. So we're seeing a lot of opportunities within governing bodies in sports. USA Wrestling is a primary example uh, to leagues, uh, as well as academies and uh, sporting clubs. Hmm. Gotcha. So you mentioned like best practices. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Right. There are a number of tactics that are being leveraged across the world of development. Uh, and I'll enunciate them. That They are obviously PR, marketing, storytelling, and that's become increasingly easy uh, with the evolution of the web and particularly now social media in terms of communication. Um, mm-hmm. And then once you tell your story, you, you're trying to monetize. And, and for retail, it's annual giving and membership giving, and there are best business practices in those two tactics, as well as special events. We call them signature events, which should be mission-driven, and there are there as well very, very best business practices. Moving upstream, you've got major gift programs, foundation outreach, corporate outreach, establishing a plan giving, plan giving and a legacy program, namely around bequests, mm-hmm. and, and then capital campaigns, which Patrick mentioned, which are a beast unto themselves in that you have to perform a planning study to evaluate the capacity of the community to fund the capital project, and then... Um, direct the capital campaign over a period of three to four to five years. So it's for each of these tactics, there are proper procedures, proper practices that ensure uh, the right kind of ROI return on investment as it relates to the investment that you're putting in um, to obtaining funds. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Patrick, let me ask you this question. Like how did you and Rob kind of meet, get started? Where, you know, where, did the, where was the idea to start putting to get this together as a, uh, as a company? Great question. I started in wealth management and it was a great industry to, to start in out of college. I had the fortunate opportunity to work for a family organization owned by my uncle that was very successful. In that environment, I learned a lot about how the world works and I gained a particular uh, at least how it relates to the, the financial world. Uh, I gained a lot of particular expertise in philanthropy. Mm. As it was an area of wealth management that interested me and was an area I wanted to provide our clients an opportunity to engage with. I ended up leaving that firm to pursue the philanthropic sector in a more intentional way. When I left my uncle's firm, I was introduced to Rob through um, now a mutual friend, but at the time he was a professor at the University of California, Berkeley. Mm-hmm. That was in 2011, I believe. At that time, the initial company's mission was a tech platform. It was a social media and crowdfunding platform for nonprofits. Rob had the hindsight and expertise to allow us to understand that we are way ahead of the ball game in this sector with that product and helped us better align a more comprehensive solution to achieving the goals that we wanted to address in the marketplace. Kojo is really a unique company in this space because it's a comprehensive modern solution mm-hmm. to the needs of nonprofit organizations. Um, and that's given us a huge advantage to this point of really understanding how to provide the best service to an organization. Um, 
And that was five and a half years ago. And we've been building the company ever since with deep expertise in particular areas, bringing in people that have vast amounts of industry experience and or a predisposition to our culture, which is very, very important to us. And allowing those individuals to contribute to the culture in a very positive and meaningful way. Um, And in addition, a goal of our company is to replicate a lot of the expertise that Rob in particular brings to the table to enable the next generation of quality development, development meaning fundraising Mm -hmm. personnel, um, ultimately benefiting the communities that the clients we serve um, engage with. Sure, sure. So walk me through a little bit on, um, you know, what, what is the type of client if they're listening to this right now, that would really benefit from, from talking to either one of you guys? Great question. Rob mentioned retail. That's really a strategy that uh, semantically is on a mass push-pull basis. Uh, a lot of what Woodshed works with is in the retail fundraising space mm-hmm. and agency building space. That is one particular tactic within a more comprehensive suite that we Uh, engage with our clients on. That's just one area that a particular organization, whether it be for-profit or non-profit, can take advantage of. I mean, in addition, they can complement that work with a longer-term, what we might call it, institutional fundraising initiative. So larger dollar amounts from smaller amounts of people. The retail environment tends to produce a lot of community, and it's Mm community-driven. The monetary value of that community and the immediacy can vary significantly. However, the data that you capture from that activity and the building of that community can be leveraged in a really meaningful way in addition to a retail environment. So for those that are looking to engage on a level beyond a retail environment, Kogio can be of significant help both on the peer fundraising side as well as um, the byproduct of our work makes us true experts in organizational management and startup culture, understanding what roles need to be developed, um, how a go-to-market strategy should be implemented beyond the initial one, two-month campaign uh, to be a sustainable product for the future. Gotcha. So, Rob, let me ask you this question. You know, where do you see sort of, um, I don't know, like, like we're, we're talking retail a little bit right now, but where, where do you see, um, you know, the puck kind of the puck uh, sliding to in the next few years here? I mean, is it something that you think is um, all going to be online? Do you, do you see big box retail still being there? Just walk me through a little bit of, on how you feel that's happening. Uh, I'm really happy you asked that question because I'll, I will never forget. Uh, a speech I gave in 2001 at the CASE conference, the Council for Advancement and Support of Education in San Francisco, and it was their their, their annual global conference. And, and there was virtually no adoption of the internet uh, in terms of web services uh, in that day. A- ASPs were just beginning to emerge and certainly, yet again, the universities were leading the way in terms of website development and transaction, online transaction. Hmm. And in 2001, there was less than 
0.1% of online transactions online for, for the nonprofit industry. And I predicted, because we were making markets uh, with uh, ASPs at, at that time, um, I predicted that by 2020, um, 70% or more would, would have migrated online. And, and the, the people were rolling their eyes at me. <laughs> and I was essentially telling them at that point that um, the concept of snail mail and transacting offline and even communicating offline um, would be obsolete. And sure. there, were, there was a lot of resistance back then. So I think that answers your question, which is yeah. it is migrating at a, a rate that we predict and um, Woodshed will be relevant um much more increasingly relevant, I should say, as time progresses, <laughs> which is a great thing because sure, sure. the one thing I should say, and that's really important from a historical standpoint, the cost of stewardship and the cost of acquisition of a donor in the past uh, was prohibitive uh, for most agencies, mm-hmm. which is why they weren't doing development well. Now that we've got these right. tools, the internet tools, um, it, 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 no one has an excuse. To not do it well. Sure. sure. So, so what keeps you guys up at night um, in terms of, you know, sort of fears in this business model? Is it uh, what's going on with Facebook right now? Because I can attest to I'm dealing with that right now with Facebook Messenger and, and all these sort of new rules being slapped on, on, on my wrist. But, but what keeps you guys up at night? Rob, would you like to answer that first? Not much. Um, I mean, I, I don't really deal with the macro political issues that are going on. Um, I'm trying to ignore that as much as we can, but no, um, obviously the economy, um, uh, or the perception of the economy, I should say, because the economy is booming and it will continue to boom in my, I'm, uh, I'm an economist as well. Um, things are lining up very nicely in terms of triage. Um, so I, I don't, we've built a business model that, that, that is very, very strong. One of the things we haven't mentioned yet are the partners that we, um, that, that, that we have tactically engaged um, in, in our uh, progression. Um, and, and so whether it's YSC Marketing for our sports division, um, Sports Facilities Management Group and Advisors out of Clearwater, Florida, um, we're, we're really trying to orchestrate all the right partnerships to ensure that we bring, to Patrick's point, all the needs for our clients as they emerge. Sure. Well, that's probably a good pivot point to actually uh, maybe dive into a little bit why you guys are on the podcast. So, Patrick, do you want to talk a little bit about um, you know what we're thinking about between your company and Woodshed Agency? Sure. So what we mentioned earlier, we seek to be a comprehensive solution for our clients. We by no means are experts in every particular area. We want to partner with those that align with our culture um, most importantly, is at the end of the day, it's about the servicing of our clients. And then from there, really collaborate on those areas to understand where our client needs need to be met. And if it's not something internally that we feel we best can handle, to then bring in the right people. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's about our client's success. And so if that is an engagement that involves a strategic partner, we are delighted for that to be how we ultimately work with a particular client. Um, I'll give you an example. 
sports facilities advisory and management out of Clearwater, Florida has deep expertise in understanding from what they call concrete to con or concept to concrete, the building out of youth sports complex facilities. Uh, they have in turn understood that they don't have deep expertise in fundraising in particular. Mm -hmm. And so our collective service offering to a client together creates that comprehensive package that's extremely powerful. Uh, as it pertains to wood woodshed agency, we see the same dynamic coming into play when an organization has a need that spans in the particular areas of expertise of woodshed. We would much rather partner with those that have deep expertise and understand their marketplaces to then provide the best value to the need of our clientele. Sure, and and I and I think that's what that's what makes it exciting on our end is that um, you know we we have actually ran into scenarios similar on that where you know we'll have a client who's just not quite right for us and and uh, and might have a bigger vision or might be a little bit more in the just more uh, just traditional fundraising but still needing all these other elements. This is what makes it so exciting that that we could uh, sort of come together and and find a working relationship back and forth to you know to help both of us out because some you know. It's almost impossible to have an agency that can do everything, you know, um, without some sort of strategic partnership. So I think that's a real exciting thing for us, uh, kind of to move forward with. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're delighted and excited to uh, be yeah, a part. Of I, I, yeah, we we are too on our end here. So um, well, well, let me ask let me ask sort of this type of question here is, um, you know, what might be a client that's not quite right to reach out for you guys? Is there somebody that, that just wouldn't be a very good fit for you guys to work with? Yeah, I'll answer that. Um, we're not big into politics, uh, only because of the current ethics. And so we, we would definitely sure. um, really evaluate. But that's probably the, the only area. Otherwise, we're highly agnostic. And again, we focus on best business practices. Sure. Does that play into all at all the... Um sort of the, the, the mega church religious world at all? Is, is that something that might be in your, in your wheelhouse? Yeah, absolutely. The, um, yeah, that, that, that is a, uh, uh, as you know, or, or may know it's in terms of retail giving, it is a massive component of retail giving. And sure. so it's a big part mm -hmm. of, uh, of the industry. Sure. Sure. Uh, now, are you guys working much at all in sort of, um, like, like equity crowdfunding at all in terms of like franchising businesses or breweries, which we're seeing currently at Woodshed, we're seeing that to be a very hot topic right now uh, in terms of, um, you know, basically a step, you know, franchising breweries uh, using uh, a platform like WeFunder. Are you guys focused at all on equity on the equity side of the, uh, these conversations? The equity side ironically is, is not so different in tactic. So we have engaged on the for-profit fundraising side. And like sector analysis in the nonprofit side, it's really agnostic to that model as well. However, there are particular elements that are important to understand, such as um, when you have equity crowdfunding involved and you have an outside consultant, there's registration requirements potentially, the SEC mm -hmm. and others. Um, in our world, in the nonprofit side, that mainly occurs with the Departments of Justice and the registration there. So 
from the administrative side, there's a bit of difference. But other than that, the tactics that we're discussing are quite relevant um, as it pertains sure. to retail and institutional fundraising and with particular expertise in engagement of communities at varying levels. Right, right. So, you know, Rob, maybe you can talk to me a little about this. Where do you guys see the next six months to a year going uh, for, for the company? Oh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're, we're doing a lot of work with our various partners. Um, we just signed, for example, a partnership with the Long Island Junior Soccer League, which is the, one of the larger mm-hmm. youth leagues. And they've got dozens of member clubs who are several of whom are already interested in our services. And whether it's sponsorships or getting the funds to build out a bubble on a current facility because weather is difficult and, and any number of other projects. Financial aid is a big issue in terms of parity and ensuring that everybody in the community can. So the, the next six months are, are really going to be uh, about organic growth, both in terms of hiring and, and meeting client needs, as well as taking on multiple projects and doing uh, a good number of uh, public speaking engagements. Uh, around the country. Um, so it's very sure, exciting. Sure. That's cool. And Patrick, how about, you know, uh, let's put on our, uh, the old uh, fortune teller hat here. What, what do you think the next like five to 10 years looks like in this space? What do you, what do you guys project? Or what do you project, Patrick? We're very data driven in our world. So a lot of what we will say and predict will be derived from data. The data that we're seeing is the beginning stages, just the very beginning stages of the professionalization of development. Um, that's starting with professional education and development. And Rob can speak to this really well in particular. I'll just highlight it quickly. He can go more in depth. But those programs at the university level are just starting. So those that have been in development up until this point have started in other careers and have fallen into development in one way or another. I think if you're looking at the byproduct of the beginning of those professional programs, you'll start to see people come out of school or at the beginning of their careers start in the field of development and start having full careers in the field of development. But I'm going to pass this to Rob to give a bit more context as he's been involved at a, at a much deeper level than I have in that area. Sure. No, that I would concur and second exactly what Patrick said. And I would add that there's going to be a massive acceleration of adoption of technology and proper, proper usage. Um, that that will be a, a very, very big change, I think. Sure. Do you see, um, I mean, as of right now, like a major change happening at like the university level to prepare people for everything we're talking about right now? Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. So what, one of the big issues in development that the universities and the independent schools, which always lead the way, are, are addressing are how to engage millennials and the next mm-hmm. generation who are much more dig- digitally inclined um, and, and who do not have the same, quote unquote, stewardship habits that more traditional, less technology driven individuals, legacy individuals uh, would have had. So we're seeing a lot of hiring of digital experts, 
within those, uh, and, and you'll see that trickle down into the other sectors of the industry, um, which again is good news for Woodshed. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what we're seeing over here as well. Of just, uh, you know, we're watching, you know, people basically trying to, you know, come up with great ideas. Right. That's what's always exciting about us is that we're usually at the forefront of a of a new idea that needs years to grow. Year needs years to to be kind of pushed out into the into the world, and and all those conversations are exciting exciting stuff to have. So, um, so where can people kind of? Oh, uh, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, what, what were you gonna say? Yeah, one additional thing that I think is very relevant to say in, in this last question is the concept of bequests and planned giving. We know that baby boomers are getting older, mm-hmm. and that generation is starting to retire and starting to begin the stages of thinking of the next generation in terms of their wealth. So, Rob, do you want to talk briefly about uh, the next 10, 15 years, what we see potentially happening on that yeah, topic? Yeah, there's going to be a massive pass-through as long as the tax code doesn't change in that area <laughs> in, in the next decade and 20 years, 30 years. And if you're listening, anybody who's associated with a nonprofit, whether you're an executive, a volunteer, or on a board, you need to ensure that your, your nonprofit has a legacy bequest program in place and that you're marketing that fact, that you are admitting much like some nonprofits are marketing the fact that they will take cars, um, this is much more important and much more impactful. And as a matter of fact, those nonprofits or community benefit organizations that have been addressing this issue and promoting legacy gifts uh, multi-generationally are now deriving a quarter of their operating income from development through mm. bequests. So subjectively, a university that might raise a billion in any given year is raising 250 million of that through bequests, gifts that had been planned uh, decades ago. To Patrick's point, so that, that, that's a critical yeah. piece. Thank you, Patrick. Wow, oh, very interesting. Yeah, I, I, it's it's intriguing how much even like for for myself. I mean, I'm in this world, but I haven't thought of the things you're talking about right now. It's 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 fascinating. Yeah, and uh, from uh, people should know from a percentage standpoint, eight eight percent. Across the industry, if they are given to you retail, to your agency retail, 8% of your retail donors will consider you in their bequest if you're promoting that fact. So it's critical. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I guess that's where you start seeing the importance on the uh, walking the fine line of marketing that, I guess, or, or you know, telling that story, telling that, making sure people are aware of it. Maybe yes. is a better way to, way to think about it. Yeah, what, what the universities do, and I see that happening at my college at Williams, um, what they do is they they essentially get alumni to endorse the fact that they have included the, the college in their bequest. So each class has a roster of, of alums who've already made a bequest. And so when, when, they're, when they're marketing to me, um, they're marketing and, and they're telling me, hey, these people have done it, and here's why they've done it. And so there's a testimonial. So that's a great way to do it, which is build a legacy society, have other people give a testimonial on why they're leaving a legacy. Uh, and again, just um, if you want to see good good merchandising or marketing, just tell your university that you've got a bequest for, for them, and, and you'll see how they. It's amazing how, how well they, wow. how well they communicate with you. 
Oh, that's interesting. That's man. It's always amazing. It's something I like. I just never even thought about that. Uh, but you, it all makes complete sense that you're what you're saying right now. Very, very intriguing. So, wh- where can people um, reach out to you guys? Find out more information. You know, h- how can people contact you? Our website is a great place. It's cogeo. us cogeo. us. There's a simple contact form there that tends to work well. Um, additionally, info at kojo.us is a, another great place. Or if they have a direct connection through you, um, absolutely having yep. that introduction would be welcomed as well. That's cool. That's cool. Well, guys, I, I appreciate it. This is going to be an exciting uh, exciting partnership. I'm, I'm excited for us to, uh, I think, help each other out with what we're working on. Um, I appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy schedules to, to jump on and, and, uh, and do an interview. And uh, man, I think the future is looking good. This was a great conversation. Rob, Patrick, I, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for your guys' time. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. so much for joining me on Successfully uh, Funded. I hope everybody out there sees why we have uh, an exciting future ahead. Um, This is going to be a good partnership and uh, I think we're definitely going to do some good work out there for companies. song we're listening to is called Tie Me Down. It was off the Sugar Roses collection. I don't think any of you guys have ever heard that because I have not put it up on Spotify yet. Bear with me. We will be doing that shortly. Um, But yeah, song called Tie Me Down. Wrote it a long time ago. I think you got Lulu Doll singing vocals on it. So hope you guys enjoy it. And I will talk to you all later. It's been a cold night. I can feel you, but I can break through. And every time I think about the words you say, they're just not right. Cause they're so misleading. And I can't believe them. I'm so afraid of waking in the middle of the night.
I'll be all right. I'll be all. I'll be all right.